All right, so we are in John. We're still in chapter 5 here. Uh, you might say we've been in John for a while, but got to be somewhere. So uh, it's going to be quite a while in here. So if, if we remember right, last week we were in verses 1 through 15, and we saw where Jesus healed somebody on a Sabbath day, and everybody was up in arms about it. They were mad because the guy picked up his, his uh, bed. They were mad because Jesus healed. And then we saw the repercussions of all that. We're seeing the repercussions in this. And here, Jesus is going to start talking with people a little bit more, and He's going to be talking about His relationship with the Father, who He is, and what has been given to Him. So that's verses 16 through 32, which we'll be in today. Um, I'm going to read 16 through 23 here to get us started. 16 through 23 says, and this is out of the NASB, says, For this reason the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on a Sabbath, those things being what we just discussed. But he answered them, My father is working until now and I myself am working. For this reason, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill Him, because not only was He not only was breaking the Sabbath, but also was calling God His own Father, making Himself equal with God. Therefore Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of Himself unless it is something He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does... These things the Son also does in the same way. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all things that He Himself is doing. And the Father will show Him greater, thing, greater works than these so that you will be amazed. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so the Son also gives life to whom He wishes. For not even the Father judges anyone but He has given all judgment to the Son so that all will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. The one who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. That last line would be really big for them because they would be honoring the Father. But what we see here, because this is very much connected to last week, after this healing... After this man getting up and taking his bed, even though he's been laying for 38 years, unable to walk, the healing made no difference for the Jewish elite here. It did not matter to them that somebody had been healed who had been lame for 38 years. It did not matter because a religious rule had been broken, even though that rule went beyond the scope of the Scripture that was given to them in the Old Testament. The sacrifice that they were putting into place that you couldn't do this or that additional to what the Scriptures had said, that was more important to them than the mercy that had been shown by Christ. And what it shows us even today is that for some people, a miracle will not change their mind. Some people will see miracles. They'll see things and they'll just go, oh, what a coincidence. Right? Oh, you know, science just can't explain that yet. They'll see something and they'll explain it away. 
Almost everybody has either seen this or done it themselves at some point. So this huge miracle should have shown them right then, right on the spot, that Christ was the Messiah, but it didn't. This was done on the Sabbath. He must be a bad guy. So Jesus enters this big conversation with them. And this is why I like John, the Gospel of John, because he has a couple of these big conversations and he does not hold anything back. He gives them all the truth that they need and it's up to them to hear it. But here's what he says to them. He says, my father is working until now and I myself am working. Why did he say that? Just before that, they had been persecuting him for doing things on the Sabbath. Was the Father working on the Sabbath, as he says? Was that the big deal here? That is partly the big deal of why they're so mad at him. Because part of this is a misunderstanding of what happened on the seventh day in creation. Because it says that God rested. It said he rested after the six days. It doesn't say that he stopped working. He stopped creating. God doesn't need rest. Is God going to get tired? Can God get tired? Not that we've seen. But they believed this is a little different for them. They didn't understand that the rest in creation was put there as an example for men and women to rest every once in a while. To rest. Now, luckily, we are in the New Covenant, the New and Everlasting Covenant, and we find rest in Jesus Christ, and we can rest when we need to. But if we're coming at this, if we're looking at why the Jewish people are so mad at him, we have to understand what they're reading and what they're thinking. So if you were a Jew at this time, if you were a religious leader at this time, you're going to be looking at certain verses from the Old Testament and going, why is this guy saying this thing to us? They would be saying, what about... Isaiah 43, 10-13, where it says, You are my witness, declares the Lord, and my, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am He. Before me there was no God formed, and there will be none after me. Only I am the Lord, and there is no Savior beside me. It is I who have declared and saved and proclaimed. So they would be thinking, that is our Lord. That is our God. That, there's nobody equal. They would be looking at Deuteronomy 6.4, where it says, Here, Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And so they would be saying, how dare you come here and say that you are equal with God. There is none that is equal with God. So what Jesus is saying to them is counter not only to what they know, their current understanding, but to what they want to know. Because they are ignoring other verses in the Old Testament. All you got to do is go back to Genesis. In Genesis 1.26, where God says, let us make mankind in our image, according to our likeness. There is not a singular there. And then the commonly quoted verse in Isaiah 7.14, where it says, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and she will name him what? Emmanuel. God with us. 
So Jesus is saying he is that God with us, and they can't see this. Now, we are blessed because we have different scriptures than they did. They didn't have the New Testament. The New Testament was being lived as this was going on. For us, we can go to John 1, and we can really understand what he's saying, which we covered at the very beginning here a couple months ago, saying, in the beginning was the Word, who is Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So even though we don't understand it completely, we see what Jesus is talking about here. But Jesus says here, when He says that He and the Father are working, they knew that He was calling Himself equal with God. That's why they said that there. But they couldn't see why He said this. Because He wasn't claiming to be the exact same person as God. He wasn't claiming that. He was claiming a unity with the Father. This is where you start getting into the Trinitarian doctrine of who God is, the makeup of God. God, and, uh, God the Father and God the Son have a special, unique relationship. They're of the same nature from what we see in Scripture. Same Spirit, one God. Some people would say one Spirit with three... We talked about this last week at the, or two weeks ago at the Bible study. Uh, one Spirit with three intellects or three faculties. That's a way of thinking of it. But that's where you get into this whole idea of the Father is not the Son or the Spirit. The Son is not the Father or the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father or the Spirit, but they're all God. They're all one God. So this is what Jesus is trying to show them because they didn't have John 1.1 there. <clears throat> so Jesus did not deny their accusation, but He's explaining it to them. There's, this is the explanation for them because they didn't have the Gospel of John. And this is His relationship with the Father. A way of thinking of this, when you see the Father, you see the Son, and the Spirit, I would add, it's not that they cooperate with each other. That's a, it's kind of a bad way of thinking it. It's that they cooperate with each other. Does that make sense? Two different words. Cooperate versus cooperate. <clears throat> it's not that Jesus cannot act independently, but that's not their relationship. He won't. He will not. This didn't just happen at the incarnation of when He took on a body. This is what's always been in the personality of God the Son who was then born into flesh. So, we see though, because just because He added humanity to His deity doesn't mean that it changed anything about the way He operates with the Father or with the Spirit. It's really important because what it is is we're learning about God, how God operates. It helps us to know Him better. That's a level, though, of unity that I don't think that we can completely comprehend. Uh, I can't think of anyone in my life who has a relationship like that with another person where they completely are in sync like that. It's impossible for us. Uh, my dad, if he's listening, I'm sure he'll laugh when he hears this, but my dad loves to come up to me and he'll say, he'll look at me and he'll just, he has this little smirk on his face, and he'll say, black. 
And he's waiting for me to say white because he knows that we're going to disagree on something, that we're not going to be on the same page. So, I mean, you can be around somebody your whole life and not be on the same page. It's just part of the human condition. So, Jesus says here, though, that if you think that healing the lame was good, hang on because we have greater works to show you. If you want to see power, if you want to see authority, He's going to show them. What does He say in verse 21 there? He says, For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so the Son also gives life to whom He wishes. Jesus brings the dead to life. That is power. And not as the world would put it. I was just listening to somebody the other day joking about about zombie Jesus or the zombies that He's going to create. That's not what we're talking about when we talk about bringing the dead to life. Because if God brings somebody to life, it's a rebirth, not a reanimation. You are something new. You are not what you were, whether we're talking about somebody's body or if we're talking about that spiritual rebirth that happens when someone's reborn. So we love the fact of the physical resurrection, but it is the spiritual resurrection that really matters. When somebody, when God comes into somebody's life, pierces through their heart, and they can suddenly see how much they need Him, that's a different thing. But Jesus is going to put a cherry on top of this for the Jewish elite here. Because He is claiming to be God's equal, because He is God. He's healing on the Sabbath. He's telling someone to move on the Sabbath. But He's also going to tell them here, as we saw, that you're going to stand before Me on Judgment Day. So we have somebody who the Jewish, people, the Jewish elite do not like. They don't believe the message He's doing. They see Him heal. They say it's of the devil. And then He says, well, you know, you may not like it, but guess what? I'm going to judge you when you die. Not exactly a casual situation at this point. Verse 22 says, For not even the Father judges anyone, but He has given all judgment to the Son, so that all will honor the Son as they honor the Father. These people honored the Father. He's saying, if you don't honor Me, you're not honoring the Father. This is where the hatred comes from. This is where they've decided, like, we want to kill this guy. We don't want him around anymore. He's saying all these things that are really pissing them off, basically. Because they don't believe this. They don't believe that God is in front of them. But the apostles knew. Everyone who came into contact with Jesus at this point knew. Everyone who comes into contact with Jesus nowadays knows when we come in, when we see Him in His Word, when we feel His presence in our life, we know that there is a judgment because otherwise we wouldn't come to Him. We know that He's the perfect benchmark and that we miss the mark. We miss the mark no matter what we do because God is perfect, Jesus is perfect, and that that's why we need Him so much. That's where the repentance comes from. That's where the gratitude for the grace upon grace that we have received comes from. God knew we would miss the mark. That's why He sent His Son. So that He would die and rise again. So that we would believe. That is our ticket in. And Jesus says to the Jewish elite and to all who read this Scripture, 
If you want to honor the Father, honor me. If he is not God, this is idolatry. That's why the Jewish people don't believe it even today. They don't believe it's true. They think it's idolatry. We know this is right. We know that Jesus says that he is the only way, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world for each of us. So in the scriptures he's calling, in creation he's calling us. In the way he works in your life, he's calling you. But Jesus continues because he's speaking of a judgment that he has been given to dispense. Often the conversation that even today people really don't want to talk about because it makes you uncomfortable. So in 24 through 32, he speaks of two resurrections here. Okay? He speaks here where he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. Truly, truly, I say to you, a time is coming and even now has arrived when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Just as the Father has life in himself, so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. And he gave him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this time, at this, for a time is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come out, and those who did good deeds to a resurrection of life, and those who committed bad deeds to a resurrection of judgment. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will but the will of him who sent me. If I alone testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testifies about me, and I know the testimony which he gives about me is true. So right here, the Jewish religious authority would say that Jesus Christ was crazy. Now he's going to judge us. Now the Father has given him ultimate judgment. This is that line drawn in the sand where Christ is saying, look, this is... I'm God. You can get mad about it if you want, but that's the case. He says, not Hemingford Congregational, not the church across the street, not the Catholic church. Jesus Christ says here that if a man doesn't know God, if he isn't submitted to Jesus, that they are dead while alive. You're spiritually dead while alive walking on, a, on an eggshell of a very thin timer. Because if you die, that's it. Then comes the judgment. But the believer, he is saying, is an alien here. He's an alien here. He is not a resident of this earth anymore when they become a believer. A citizen of heaven just biding our time, doing the good deeds, the walk that Christ would have us do while we are here until we cross the gates of heaven. So the dual resurrection here that is mentioned, this is the weight. This is the weight of the gospel, the urgency of the gospel message because you may not like it or your neighbor may not like it, but we're going to get resurrected whether we like it or not. 
That's what Christ is saying here. Our good deeds done because of the saving faith that we believe and profess, God will see them. Or He will see the times when we didn't. Did we quench the Spirit when He was urging us to go and do something? And we say, well, not today. I'm busy. I don't like that person. I'd rather not. We'll see these things as well. I mean, it's going to be great just to get to heaven. I'll be fine with just that. But I don't want more regrets than I already have. Because it sounds like there will be a tally. So, Christ's deity, the Trinity, which has been talked of today, which was talked of in the beginning of the book of John, I think it's all something that we can grasp, but it's not something that we can fully understand until we get to heaven. It's just not. It's a mystery in a way. But what's not a mystery here in these Scriptures is eternal life. That's not a mystery. Christ does not leave us with a question mark here. He says if you trust in Him, if you believe on Him as Savior, if you repent of your sins, you're going to live. You will not remain spiritually dead and you will not be in line for this judgment. The Faith is immediate. Sometimes people will talk about when I get to heaven or when I attain uh, eternal life. Faith is immediate because it changes your present condition. That means that you have eternal life now if you're a believer. It doesn't just start then. But the even more blessed part of faith, of being in Christ, is that saved state that you're in because God is sanctifying you and He is molding you into what you would not naturally be. I, one of these days, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a good friend of mine to come up from Arizona, and she will tell you that Carlos was not a very nice guy when he was younger. Okay, sometimes people don't believe stuff like that, but Christ changes you. It's not oh, you're getting older and getting wisdom. It's Christ is giving you wisdom. But the sins that would damn you, they're not yours to worry about anymore, and that is the ultimate mercy. That's the ultimate relief. Revelation 3.21-22 says, The one who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat with my Father on his throne. The one who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. When you read that, there should not be an anxiety. Because sometimes you can read that and you can go, well, the one who overcomes. And if you start getting really full of yourself and, and your different thoughts... You might say, well, have I overcome? But you have to see what the Scripture says. There's no anxiety in this. There's no trepidation for the Christian in this. There's no reason to stress if you have salvation. You're supposed to rejoice. And if you don't rejoice, if you find a question mark in that first line where it says the one who overcomes, then you need to have a serious time with God. You need to be in prayer. You need to read His Word and see the gift of grace and how easy it is. Because the cross is our moment of victory. We didn't do it, but it's our moment of victory. Christ is our champion in that moment. And if you're in Christ, and if you're born again, then you are the one who overcomes. Where it says, <clears throat> verse 24 here, it says, 
Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who hears my word and believes him who has sent me has eternal life. The one who believes in him. Jesus wants everyone to come to him, but it's not a forced. You don't see in these scriptures or in any of the scriptures that the one who is forced to believe in him will have eternal life. The one who's forced to hear his word, that never works, I can tell you that. But in the person, in the God-man of Jesus, we have judgment, yes, that's part of it, but we have an immeasurable blessing on the cross that's for us. So he's calling us to choose him, to receive his grace, but we can't be like the Jewish elite. Stuck on these these meaningless, out of context rules of, for control, but in this, but be in our scriptures, be in prayer, and the biggest thing is just to be reliant on Christ for our salvation. You're not going to do anything to add to that. There's nothing you could do to add to that. And if you have that mindset, if you have that secured relationship with Christ, everything that flows from that is going to be good. There's no way it could be bad. Does anybody have any questions or comments on those verses today? I feel like we've been 